Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to NS9 Live. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we got Tyler. We got Jim. We got a special guest. We got Freddie Prince Jr. on the show. <laughs> nah, man. I was, I, I feel like I've been talking about, um, I was talking to some of the B writers about Summer Catch, some underrated baseball movie. And they got that, 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 they got that other dude from Scooby Doo, too. So that's, that movie's like Scooby Doo Canon. <laughs> I will say so, summer catch is definitely an underrated baseball movie. Underrated. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. That dude with like the flaming glove. Like I grew up like wanting that glove so bad. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's not bad. Well, anyways, for the people that don't know or want to know, it actually is not Freddie Prince Jr. It's someone who's way more relevant right now these days. It's Justice De Los Santos from LB.com. What is up, Justice? Thanks for coming on the show, actually, also. Nothing much going on. Appreciate y'all for having me. I was waiting on the invite, and I was like, when I saw y'all didn't have a guest for it, I was like, let me shoot my shot real quick. I've been, I've been waiting. I'm, I'm happy to make it happen. I'm glad to make it happen. See yeah, we were, I mean, we were looking for somebody that was in like the Pittsburgh area, enjoying this fine winter. Well, okay, so I will say this. Head. I will say this. So I'm back in California, but it's actually hella funny. So about 20 minutes from my hometown is a city called Pittsburgh. It's actually like right next to the city oh. where Najee used to play, Antioch. Um, but it's spelled without an H. And so when I told, so when I was moving across the country and I told like all my family and my friends, I was like, yeah, I'm moving to Pittsburgh. Some of them were like, why are you making such a big deal out of this? You're moving like 20 minutes away. I was like, nah, I'm moving across the country. <laughs> and fun fact, Najee actually went to my high school for a year. So a lot of people that like I know like grew up with him. And there's actually a so funny you, story. Like, so you like to tell a story about how he slept on the floor in college because he was used to being homeless, or is that just an NFL thing where they lie? I don't know him like that. I don't know him personally, but I do know that it's actually funny. So the story, I could tell y'all the story of like how he ended up at Antioch High School as opposed to mine. That's a good and unrelated. That's a rabbit hole we can go down. Oh, we go down rabbit holes. So go down a lot of rabbit holes. So I went to a high school called Hercules High School. Great name. High school, predominantly Filipino, as you can tell by seeing me. And Najee, again, this is just the story as I've been told it. But Najee was there as a freshman. And his freshman year, again, this is just as the story has been told to me. Do not this may this was not going to hold up in a court of law. But as it was told to me he was not starting immediately on varsity as a freshman. And when you kind of see who Najee Harris is now, when you saw who he was in high school and college, you're like, who could have possibly been like preventing Najee Harris from like starting immediately as a freshman, especially at a really small high school like mine. Like we're not like pumping out like D1 athletes like that. Well, the guys that were in front of him, both on the offense and the defensive side, would compose like the fastest it was either that year or, like for a period of time like the fastest four by four in northern california like capital d like dudes and so 
at the time, you know, it did kind of make a little bit of sense. In retrospect, not so much. And now I guess I have to be the bird. I guess we're kind of creating like a Hercules, California to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania pipeline between me and Najee. So I guess yeah, it's, that. it's basically modern yeah. day. <laughs> I actually know some fools that went to modern day. They got stories, too. <laughs> like. Justice, I do have a quick question for you. Not to take us down a real deep rabbit hole. Did you cover high school football at all in your in your life? I covered a lot of high school football. That what was, did you? What do you think about high school football in general? As in in Just, what manner? In what sense? So we might have somebody on here that makes fun of me because I enjoy some high school football. I find it fun. High school. I will say. So a lot of like the lens through which I look at high school football is like the lens of like covering it. Yeah, it is. And, you know, being out in the Bay, like you kind of like I've been to like a lot of different high schools covered like a lot of different games. Like there's the there's like the Bruce in San Francisco, which is at um, the old stadium that the 49ers used to play at. There's I've been I've covered games in the climbers in Oak, like East Oakland, where I think is. Is it Marcus Peters? Is that his dad? Is that the. Whoever's in the NFL with like the last yeah. name Peters, like his dad coaches there. And so I've been able to, I went to, um, over covering a game like Jared Goff's old high school or not. Yeah. High school. So from, from that perspective of like being in a bunch of different places and kind of seeing like the different environments and like how meaningful it can get. And also there's also the element of, uh, De La Salle. De La Salle is like 15 yeah. minutes for me, although they've kind of, they haven't been doing great over the last like year and change side note but i personally enjoy the environment and yeah, i think like if there's like any prospective writers in here that like want to do beat writing as a whole i would say like cover high school football because it's, it's fun, a lot it's, it's super hands-on like you got to keep your own stats you got like there's no pr person that's like pulling the head coach wow. for you the star athlete you got to go you got to get it out the mud so to say so it's a very enjoyable experience especially when you start yeah. getting towards like those state playoff games where like teams yeah, come up from like California, like from Southern California to Northern California. So it's a fun experience. I don't knock it. I don't there's, knock that, it. there's that sense of community you got there. <clears throat> and then we got certain people with like gray beards that want to just knock it and go to new Orleans for fun, for work and want to hate on people like me that go watch high school football games while they go yell at college kids at Louisville that don't, that are completely irrelevant. <laughs> I'm just I saying it's a drink. I'm not even going to comment on this other than like, if you go to a high school football game and you're an adult and you don't have like a kid either on the team or like some sort of family member, you're a dork. <laughs> <laughs> you are a dork. I, I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. I, I, I was what if you coach one. those kids in other sports? I think that's valid. I mean, there's a relationship there. Exactly. I feel like that's a little more valid. If you coach the kids in other in other sports, you should just say, "Don't play football. Just focus on this no. on the sport." You don't get it. You just no, you need it. you need them to specialize. Kids don't take Jim's advice. You know play all the sports. Yeah, you know what it all comes down to: Jim not getting it, just like he doesn't get baseball. Are these allegations of not knowing ball? Hashtag no, no more ball. ball, watch more ball. Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of just like 
stole the show there for a minute, but go ahead, Donardo. I'm gonna be honest, Tyler's waiting for that to talk some high school football. So I'm glad we got it out of the way. I lost all the viewers. Yeah, Ethan, Ethan taking some some major shots there. Yeah, Ethan's <laughs> right. I mean, Ethan's right as he normally is. You know, he corrects us when we're wrong. And you're wrong in this case, Tyler. That's fine. You guys can think what you want, but whatever. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. We got other <clears> rabbit holes to go down tonight. Yeah. So speaking of, it's a Pirates podcast. I guess let's get maybe into the news a little <laughs> bit here because it is kind of relevant. It's kind of recent. We just had the, I guess, the 40-man shakeup to a degree yesterday, right? Some guys got protected. Some guys got purged. Uh, we have a non-tender deadline coming up. So I guess maybe let's get into like the Rule 5. I know we previewed it with Ethan as – Jim brought him up just recently. We previewed the Rule 5 with Ethan. We made our picks, who we thought would get protected. I mean, Endy and Burroughs are pretty much a lock. After that, we were all over the place. But uh, Endy, it's Burroughs. I guess there were some notables that weren't protected um, that people are talking about, like with Sable, with Nunez. Uh, I guess let's kind of – Gorski. Like, let's maybe talk about this Rule 5. What do we feel about it right now? Because – it was a talk of the day yesterday. Uh, I'll start. I'll start. Um, yeah, obviously Burroughs and Andy were the, you know, were the clear cut, obvious choices there. But I mean, last week when we w- went over this list, <clears throat> we pretty much decided as a group that Selby and Triolo were were not going to be added. No, we, we did. <laughs> Go back and listen to the podcast, Tyler. <laughs> like we decided that. Um, it, can y'all refresh me on y'all three or your four? Wasn't it? It was for y'all. It was Andy Burroughs. So we had Nunez Andy Burroughs, and, and then we had uh, Dario Lopez and yes. Malcolm Nunez. That was yeah. I'm pretty that was sure. I I'm pretty sure I said Triolo was my pick. No, well, we were very disorganized. Let's, let's go around the room. Let's, let's go around the room. Let's get a little refresher going. <laughs> let's let's go press my person. Yeah. I'm curious as to who y'all. Had in terms of like the forty-man well, protection, like Andy and Burroughs were the obvious ones, and I think we collectively kind of came together and agreed with. We went with after that. Nunez. Did you say? Oh yeah, Nunez. But the reason we went with Nunez wasn't necessarily because we thought he like deserved protection. It was more the Ben Charrington um, glasses. You know, Ben Charrington went out and got this guy, so we felt he would be added just to make sure that he was protected. So that was kind of our thoughts there. Uh, and then Lopez really is just a matter of um, just development. Like I, I don't think Dario Lopez is going to get picked, but if he does totally messes with your development as a prospect. And I think he has a, probably a pretty good shot of not a pretty good shot, but out of everyone left off of the 40 man, Dario Lopez has the highest ceiling. I think most people, most people would agree with that. I mean, you could you could argue a few others, but uh, he's also the farthest away from the majors of all those all those notable people who were left off. But uh, no, I think that that was our surprise. Um, Triolo, I think, caught us a little off guard. No. Other than Tyler, maybe. Yeah. Other than t- thank you. That's all I need. Um, and it's not that like, we talked about him, but I think I mean I I was not expecting them to add a corner infielder who really can't hit that great um but here we are and uh and we'll see how it goes 
I just kind of thought that the glove, and he has hit well. The glove's major league caliber at this point. The bat has played pretty well at this point. Thought he's probably the most likely of the rest of the best to get picked. So kind of roll with him. I think the the interesting thing about Triolo, and this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit to the non-tender guys, is if you look at the current, like the infielders that are currently on the 40-man roster, like excluding, this is kind of a Newman-centric point, everybody but G-Man Choi can play shortstop. Like all of them. Like it, like even Hayes can go over there. Like, And obviously like I'm not expecting like a Pagero type to be on the opening day roster, but that's kind of a, another point looking ahead is pretty much every single guy there can play shortstop and a, a good majority of them can play second base too. But that's kind of jumping ahead a little bit. Um, I will say to, I was a little bit, I was simultaneously surprised and not surprised um, with Selby in particular. I know that his stuff is like, he's got the electric stuff and particularly when it comes with pitchers, like those are kind of the guys that, you know, maybe a team will kind of come out of nowhere and say, we're going to take a shot on this guy. Cause the big thing to remember with the, the rule five and all that is that these guys have to get added to the 26 man roster and they have to stay there for the entirety of the season. So it makes the exclusions of guys like Sable, like Nunez, like Gorski a little less shocking because you have to think like, would a team want to take them in their current state for the 2023 opening day roster and for all three of those guys like my logic was i think that they could potentially be on the 2023 team i don't think that that date would be opening day but when you but when you start factoring in the relievers that's when it's kind of like okay kind of get them in with the pitching group it's it's and i guess a guy like luis ortiz is kind of a good example of that where you know he's able to come up with very minimal majorly experience or just experience above double a and in general and he's able to go out there and have these flashes. Now, is Luis Ortiz a complete project? No. But there's that opportunity to, you know, it's a lot easier, not easier, but in terms of jumping, making those big jumps, it's a lot easier for pitchers to do that than hitters. So that when those guys got Sable, Gorski, Nunez, when they got excluded, it was a little shocking. But then you kind of remember like, okay, would any team want them like right now? Then it gets a little less shocking. But I in that same vein though I would not be surprised at all if a team you know wants to take a shot on a guy like Sable or wants to take a shot. I think Sable of that group though Sable probably the one of like the most worthy of taking a shot. But you know Nunez Gorski a little more and then like a guy like Lopez where he's kind of so far off. Like I don't think a team would want to you know take that shot yet. Yeah, I think that's that's very fair to say, and I think that's where a lot of people. Kind of get caught up in the whole rule five thing, you know. It's like, oh my god, like I can't believe you're like, exposing these. And it's like, every team has these guys already, you know. Like they're they're protecting, they're wondering if they're going to protect their sable or not. And you know whether they do or not, it's like, do they want to add another sable to their sable to go in this year? You know what I mean? So it's like these guys. Like I mean, I understand like there's the their prospects right and a lot of had good seasons for the most part you know you're looking like this could be a part of the prior to you know future whatever but they're they're not really like ready yet they're again they're kind of just they're just guys are you really going to be concerned if this roster doesn't have a blake sable in, in two years probably not yeah i, mean, I think you hit the nail on the head like none of these other guys that we're talking about 
are really, even if you're looking at the Pirates' top prospects list, we're not talking about top 20 or top 25 prospects in the Pirates organization, right? Dario Lopez being the the exception, but again, he is pretty far off. I, I, I don't know. I'm still a little worried like a team like the Reds or like the A's who have absolutely nothing to play for next year could take someone like Lopez. Um, but yeah, like the other guys, I'm not, I'm not too concerned if anybody really takes them. I mean, it, it, it's cool I to think, keep them around, but not important. Of the guys who weren't protected, I think the one that's probably even more than Sable that I could just not be shocked at all if he's taken is Tanaj Thomas. Because kind of going back to the point of it's a lot easier, again, quote unquote, easier to have someone make that leap from a double A to the majors as a pitcher than they are as a hitter. And, you know, Tanaj Thomas had a great season. He kind of proved what he would be able to do in that bullpen role. And there might be some team that's looking at him and saying, hey, like it's worth taking a shot on this guy and, you know, seeing what we can do with him once he gets with our pitching group. So I think. If there was a scenario where Tanaj Thomas gets taken, I would not be uh, surprised at all. But that's kind of the nature of the Rule 5 when it comes to pitching in particular. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. But I think we all kind of get bent out of shape over the Rule 5 in general. And in all reality, it's just kind of irrelevant in the whole grand scheme of things. I think there's been maybe two All-Stars in the last maybe three, four years to come out of the Rule 5 draft. And Really, it's the only thing as Jim's dog is just clicking around. <laughs> I need to it's cut the his only, toenails. Like it's it's the only thing at this point in the year to really care about. But that is really do we we get bent out of shape over it. It That's is the only like, thing that is until the non-tender deadline. How you like that yeah. for a transition? <laughs> we do non-tender deadline coming up. But I mean, just yeah, just to kind of reiterate what Tyler said. I mean. We're talking about a Rule 5 draft that really hasn't produced anyone significant in a long time. Um, and if it yeah, does, Akil it's Badu being Akil Badu probably being the most recent one, but then you look at this year and he was nowhere near the guy that he was last year. So, I, re- I mean, I think it's like, like Nestor Cortez and another guy. I can't remember. Guy that went to the Blue Jays. Another, But those also player. weren't like productive role five picks i'm just saying like all-star yeah. role five picks yeah and what i was gonna add too is like so as pirates fans like putting your hat and, and think about all the role five guys the pirates have selected in like the past decade that we've all yeah. been excited about like think about how many we oh my god like you got this like oh my god look, look this guy like all the talent where are they now where, where is jose soriano right yeah soriano <laughs> You know, yeah, he's, Angels actually just protected him. I tweeted out the other day. Um, but yeah, it's like like all the guys that you're excited for on the other end, where are they? So like, and that's where we're getting at. Like in the grand scheme of thing, this is pretty much not worthy of us even talking about right now. But here we are because it is the middle of November. And on top of that, it's the Pittsburgh Pirates. So this is probably the last transactional talk, you know, this week that we'll talk about until like February. Also, so. we've all been burned by uh, Jose Batista, so. We're going to live by that. Uh, but like you even think these Batista, new kids like don't even know who Jose Batista back. is. But like Batista got returned back to the Pirates. Yeah, I know. So but, like we didn't even lose him in the role. But if you listen to certain people, they're going to keep going back to that. Yeah. 
I mean, I guess you could go all the way back to Clemente if you wanted to. Touche. Yeah. Great job, Mickey Branch. <laughs> all right. So, so non-tender deadline, right? So that's that's kind of the next thing coming up. Um, two days away. So Friday, yeah. eight o'clock yeah. Eastern. PM so. or AM. I would hope PM. Well, <laughs> about to wake up at five. It's about, it's about five midnight. In the morning the, the shot. So if you're the Pirates, that means yeah, I mean we'll probably find out like Saturday, mid Saturday afternoon or so. Um, but uh, no, I think if we're looking at the roster, I think you know we we talk about Kevin Newman. I'm not in favor of Kevin Newman being non-tendered, but then you then you, when you're looking at relievers, you're probably talking about Underwood. Stevenson as the the options there. I don't really think anyone else is too much in danger other than those three. Unless we can think of another kind of surprise name. But I think those are the three to kind of talk about. So well, I'll tell you what, we got a guest on here who's seen the parts every single day. So let's talk to him. Yeah. Justice, what do you think? Well, actually, this is just a side note that I want to put out into the universe. Uh, Robert Stevenson isn't only just half Filipino and half white like me. He's like he went to like a high school, like 10 minutes from me. And so when I was when we were doing like our exit interviews, I joke with him. I was like, I'll probably see you in the offseason. Like, we're probably going to go to the same coffee shop. <laughs> side note. Um, but just as a as a primer, the, the six arbitration eligible guys that the Pirates have coming into Friday, Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, Dwayne Underwood, Jr., Robert Stevenson, Kevin Newman, and Miguel Andujar. And this is actually something like a topic that I'm going to be talking about in my newsletter. So go peep that tomorrow. But among the, I guess we can kind of go like player by player because there's like with some care, like with some guys, it's a little murkier and we can kind of start with Newman because he's kind of the, of all those guys, kind of the biggest guy in terms of, you know, candidate because of just their depth of middle infielders. And I guess the question that, that the pirates are going to have to answer is, you know, as he's heading into his second year of arbitration, is this someone that you would potentially non-tender and just really lean into the youth movement, considering all the infield depth you have, especially with a guy like Triolo that's also been added into the mix, or do you kind of want to bring him back and just kind of have him as that, you know, sturdy rock that can, you know, slide in as shortstop slide in second base, because, you know, at the end of the day, these guys, you know, the, you know, G Juan Bay, Diego Castillo, these guys are still super young as well. And, you don't want to you know, in a situation where they're going through their struggles and you got to just keep throwing them out there as they're kind of drowning. So to say, that's just the hypothetical, but it is, it is interesting. Cause you know, it, I can see that going either way. I think if, if I had to pick one or the other, it make, it does make sense to non-tender and just like really lean into the brevity of middle infielders that they have, but we'll kind of see either way. So to start here about Kevin Newman, I think we've all kind of jumped aboard the uh, tender Kevin Newman a contract. And oh. I kind of brought up last week that one of the reasons that I really would kind of jump on board of that is he might be that right-handed side of that platoon with the Choi addition. He's a guy that can play everywhere. And I, you mentioned him being the rock. They do need a veteran presence. He really did improve this year. He He's not a bad baseball player like we have talked about before plenty of times. We have called him a very bad baseball player. He's probably not that. I'm okay with what Kevin Newman is, and 
he's a guy that I'm I'm fully aboard keeping on this team. I guess. Yeah, the, I think I think my reason. Uh, go ahead, Justice. Yeah, I I think the question just kind of becomes like, would you? For a guy that's entering his second year of arbitration, and he made 1.5 million last year, he's probably going to make upwards of two million this year. Whether that's two or three, you know, I'm not, I'm not the projection guy there. But it's kind of that question as well as would the Pirates, you know, for a guy entering his second year of arbitration, you know, have him be that guy that's kind of coming off the bench, especially with this, you know, the stockpile of young guys that are just right over here. So again, it's, it's something I could see honestly going either way. And there's arguments on both sides that make a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I, I'm leaning towards tendering him a contract. And, and my reason really was like you mentioned earlier, justice that, you know, a lot of these guys on this infield are capable of playing shortstop. And, and while I agree with that, I wouldn't really say they're capable of playing it well. Um, I mean, you can kind of go down the list here. Uh, G1 Bay, I don't think is capable of playing shortstop well for like an extended period of time. I don't think Diego Castillo is. Uh, Castro showed us that, you know, while he's athletic and can make them do some flashy things out there, he's also not really consistent at the position. Uh, Hayes, they're just not going to put him there. Hoy Park, I don't know why he's still on the 40 man to begin with. Um, Piguero not going to be on the team next year. Triolo could do it if he needs to, but like he, he's also not going to be on the opening day roster. But I think out of everybody, just to kind of give O'Neill Cruz some days off here and there and to get some pretty consistent, solid defensive play out of the shortstop position, which I like O'Neill Cruz a shortstop, but Kevin Newman is more consistent at the position um, than really anybody else at the roster. And I, and I, I don't know. I, I feel like they're going to, they're going to keep him around just for being able to play him there, you know, 30 or 40 times next year while they let O'Neill Cruz DH, uh, you know, once or twice a week. Uh, I, that's, that's my, my opinion. I think out of every guy that, you know, there you could potentially slide into that role. I don't think any of them can even hit as well as Kevin Newman. So I, I just, I think Kevin Newman is just the best option. And I'm tired of just, I'm tired of not being good. Like I want to actually be a decent baseball team next year. I don't know if the pirates are going to be a decent baseball team or not yet next year, but I would feel much more comfortable knowing that it's Kevin Newman getting 40 starts at shortstop as opposed to Diego Castillo or G1 Bay or, Hoy Park. That's that's kind of my thoughts. Yeah. So I'm the one who's on the other side of this. And like I said, like I'm kind of like with you though, Justice. I'm not going to get upset if he's tendered or not tendered. I don't think it's that de- you know, de- divisive. It kind of is what it is. But I just feel like with this team and this roster, especially for the same reason you're talking about, there's a lot of middle infielders. There's a lot that could be on the team next year. And they're going to want to get experience and plate appearances and such. And it's like, so Kevin Newman takes away from that. So like with all the things that Jim's saying, I agree with Kevin Newman is good defensively. Now I might still be saying, listen, I'm not going to get fooled by Kevin Newman once again, either with his bat. Um, but regardless, he did turn it around last year. He did have a better season offensively as well, which is why we've been talking about at this point in time. But I just feel like, you have Bay, you have Castro, 
You have Cruz. Yes, Castillo. Yes, a guy that's coming up like Kevin Newman to me at a for a team that has a premium at roster spots is just I, I don't think it's worth tendering him. Like for the reasons you want to have that as a veteran presence and such, I think that comes at another position. Don't let it be at a shortstop where you have five guys to be rostered that can play all those positions. Non-tendered Kevin Newman, go get that corner outfielder you need or go get We'll transition to this later as well. As you mentioned before the show, go get a freaking catcher that's, you know, caught MLB pitchers before in his life. Um, you know, like do something. Like go get that person that you need in Kevin Newman, but get it in another position because all these other team, all these other guys that are on this roster need these play appearances and they're that's the position they play in. Now, when Tyler brought up the platooning with Choi, that to me shifted a little bit. If that's the Pirates' plan, then I'm more on board with Kevin Newman. But still, that's you're doing the same thing you did last year, playing a guy at first base who's never played there before. Like, here's the idea: just get a first baseman to platoon with Choi and not yeah. Kevin Newman. When we were in Philadelphia, when the Pirates were in Philadelphia, that was when Kevin Newman was taking those the the grounders at first base, and I think that was the only time they did it the year. And I I don't think that's going to be a thing. I remember Rodolfo Castro. I think when he was with Indianapolis was very briefly doing that as well but again these are not primary first basemen well right this is the pirates team josh van meter played the, the pirates basically went the entire year last year without a first baseman so that the number 601 there's again according to baseball reference they're 601 ops combined by first baseman that's a number that i wrote down a lot of times during the offseason and I think that, you know, it at the bare minimum with Choi, that just stands to get better. This like we're kind of diving into first base now, yeah. but the bare minimum that kind of stands to get better. But yeah, just kind of to, to wrap up on Newman, it, it again, I can kind of see it going either way. There's logic as to why. Speaking of veteran presence, I didn't tweet this out, but there was something that I I had noted that kind of caught me by surprise. Uh and well, maybe not that surprising. But uh, G-Man Choi is the only 30-year-old on this team right right now. The only one. And so, that, like, that doesn't get as surprising when you consider, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, they, like, Ben Walos was DFA'd and, you know, Perez is no longer the 60-man. But, you know, that was just very interesting to me. I think that, I think I would imagine that's going to change in a couple weeks. But it, it's an interesting it note for right now. <clears throat> I also think Choi... Choi has the most service time of anyone on the team as well. Yeah, I want to say so. I want most service time. One of three guys that's been to the playoffs. Ooh, can you guys guess the other two? I don't think it should be that hard to guess the other two. Choi to have been in the playoffs. The other two guys on the Andrew Pir- Anduhar. Oh, Bryce, Bryce Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> I would do Clayton Kershaw. In the in the 2020 <laughs> playoffs, and obviously the only one of that bunch who has uh, been to the World Series too, so that's kind of just speaks to that element of veteran presence. But yeah, Newman, if he gets non-tendered, I won't be surprised if they do tender him a contract. I won't be surprised, and you kind of just see where they go from there. I think it will show a lot. I mean, it'll show a lot. That decision will show a lot as far as like what their their plans are for next year with um you know, with playing time and such. It also, I think, speaks a lot to uh, 
Jiwon Bay. So, I mean, he was really impressive those last 10 games or so that, that he got called up in. And, you know, you could see him kind of just sliding into that role that they had carved out for Newman. <laughs> so, but I could also see them rolling with just with Bay and, and as an outfielder next year too. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of options for him. But I could, I, I, I would imagine they're going to put him in the lineup as often as they can, unless they're at, they're planning on adding some people. Yeah, I agree with that. That's where I'm at. You know, that's why I feel like Bay's going to be the center fielder. He's going to be the second baseman. He's going to be the shortstop. Like that's his way of finding his his bat into the lineup and get that development. So again, if you have a Newman there, that takes away a bats from Bay, and is that really productive? I'm very curious as to to watch more of Bay in the outfield because it was very limited in the in the time that he was up there. When we were in St. Louis, he had that one ball. It was actually funny. It was like one inning, he's like losing a ball in the lights, and then the next inning, he's making that like running catch and at the warning track. And so, I'm really curious to see how that translates. But and I guess the outfield, like that's another subject for another day. But yeah, we'll again going back to Newman, we'll kind of see. But going back to Newman, I think it it really does come back for him is if he can play first base at a capable level and if he can play the corners. And it's almost the same with Bay. If he can slide into that center field role a little more often because Brian Reynolds is getting a little older. The defensive numbers weren't great there. They probably do need to find a center fielder that can defend there at a high level. And if you really want to build around Brian Reynolds, you probably need to find a capable center fielder and save those old legs a little bit. Like Tyler, just, I'm are, we just that, are we just that me. conditioned right now because it's the pirates? I mean, yes. we're now expanding. Like we're talking about Kevin Newman as a career ISO of a zero nine six playing the corners. Like we got to do better guys. Obviously. But if he wants to stay on the team as a utility guy, I'll take him in the corners <laughs> over Diego Castillo not being able to see the damn ball. We got to agreed. We got to clip that to Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. Good <laughs> Lord. Diego Castillo's falling <laughs> over himself out there. I'll take Kevin Newman at this point. I've How about just getting one that actually years. has played a corner before in his life? We don't get that option. <laughs> we got to do better. Fans. That's what I'm getting at. So moving on. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, the other names you brought up, like Mitch Keller, obviously going to be tendered a contract. JT Brubaker, obviously going to be tendered a contract. Um, I don't think there's any surprises there. That brings us to Stevenson and Underwood. Um, I think they, I think they pick one. That would be my guess. I would probably tender both if it were me, but I think they pick one. And I have a feeling, just based off of how we finish the year, it'll be Stevenson. But uh, I'd like to kind of hear your thoughts on that too. I think the, I, I definitely agree with the notion that Stevenson would probably be tendered and to dive into those numbers a little bit I don't have them in front of me but I think off top he had like a you know low three ERA his FIP was in the mid twos I think three three eight two eight one yeah 
I think it's 13 and a third innings, 18 strikeouts to just one walk. And that was something that like really impressed me too, in terms of just, I think there was an, also an element of him just getting out of Colorado and you never know like what that can do for a pitcher. I remember when I was doing my dive into him, like once he was acquired, this is going to be some real deep dive stuff. His So in 20, 2019, that was his best season to date with the Reds. His slider had a run value of negative 17. And for those who are unfamiliar with run value, it's like golf, the lower, the better. And when you look at where he ranked in his slider in run value, you look at the guys above him and it's like Verlander, Stroman. And like, here's just, and it's a, from my understanding, it's a cumulative stat. So for him to be up here, like among these premier stars, you're like, there's something there. And then you throw it and he was able to, you know, flash that during his time with the pirates. And then you throw in the fact that he has at its foundation, a fastball that can touch a hundred. Admittedly, it's been hit pretty hard, but it's one of those pitches where, you know, you look at guys like Keller and Brubaker, for example, how they were able to kind of tweak their stuff a little bit. If there's a tweak to be made there with that four seam fastball, maybe kind of make it more into a sinker, two seamed, something of that nature. The foundation of having like a pitch that can hit 100, that's just super intriguing to me. And you couple that with what he was able to do, you kind of look at that like it makes a lot, it makes almost too much sense for him to not be on this roster next season, especially considering they're trying to, you know, supply that bullpen. They're trying to fill up that bullpen rather. I think if you give me Underwood versus Stevenson, it's not a question. The one guy has really good stuff. The other guy performed well enough in the bullpen. And unfortunately, the Pirates did have to use him quite a bit. But I think that timeline's up for him. Stevenson does show some stuff, as Justice said, that looks like he could be a, if not middle reliever. He he has stuff to be a high in a reliever. Will it work out? Who knows? But he's a guy that deserves to be in this bullpen full of guys that probably don't. Now, I will say this about Underwood. You know, outside of uh, David Bednar, lowest FIP on the team last year among people who threw over 50 innings. So, like, the ERA, obviously not ideal. Um, Like you mentioned, he did get used quite a bit. Uh, He was hurt you know, for, for a portion of the year, but when he was healthy, he was used quite often using that multi-inning role. Uh, he always kind of seemed like that guy where like, you know, when we talked about it a lot where, you know, first inning would go great. You'd send him out for inning number two and things would fall apart. Um, so, you know, you almost want to see like, what could Dwayne Underwood Jr. be like on a team that has a good bullpen? <laughs> because like when you're not maybe asked to do as much as he was asked to do last year, could he be better? That's kind of where I where I stand with him. Now, the fact of the matter is the Pirates didn't have a good bullpen last year. Uh, I can't imagine it gets worse <laughs> next year. Um, so it can really only get better. Uh, I, like I said, I, I'm, I would be fine with bringing both back. I just don't think they do it. Um, so I, I think that's why he's kind of the odd man out. But I think he kind of just got a bad rap because – he got used. To, he got used a lot when he was healthy, and I don't think he was necessarily used in the best way that can showcase his talents. That's where I'm at. I mean, I, I feel like I'm the Underwood truther over here. To as much of a truther you could be, it's not like I'm saying he's good and he deserves it because he's this good. But like, I feel Underwood's the safe pick, 
and Stevenson's the upside pick. But like, if you put Underwood, if you tender Underwood, and you get on this team next year, I've been talking about time and time again. Like, I feel he's overused, and he gets more hate than he deserves. No, he's not a great bullpen guy. Like, he's not a great pitcher, but he's a good one. And just like Jim is saying, like, he he belongs on a bullpen in Major League Baseball. And if he's used more properly, I think he'd be more effective. And fans can look at him and say he's not this terrible. So, like, I think he's safe. He's going to provide innings for this team. Honestly, quality innings. They could be even more quality if there were less innings, right? Less usage. But I feel like he's a good pitcher. But Stevenson presents that intrigue, that upside. You know, Underwood's right here. He's going to give you stability. But Stevenson could give you a nice trade chip at the deadline. Is basically what I'm getting at. And, you know, with that said, I wouldn't mind both of them either. I, I don't I don't have an answer for this. Uh, I'm either or whichever they protect, I'm okay with. I guess it just depends on like to me, the my eyes, it's where they want to go. They want to go safe and say, Underwood, you're an MLB pitcher, let's go with it, or just take a little bit of risk and say, Stevenson, let's let's get the upside. It's, it's like in, in fantasy football, you know, like you if you're on a if you're on, if you have a, a guy's a bunch of bye weeks, right? Do you get the safe guy that's gonna give you the seven points? Or to get the boom and bust guy that might give you zero, but might go off for 20. Like that's what Stevenson is. Like he might go off for 20. I'll plug him in, roll the dice. I don't draft all stars in my fantasy league, so I don't know if I'm the person to consult about that. I drafted Kate Cunningham 1 1 in my fantasy league. Oh, geez. <laughs> my, my fantasy team name is the Ross Strickland All Stars. If you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one, so one of the points kind of in the, the opposite you know kind of playing both sides of the underwood coin like i do agree that you know because of how ravaged the bullpen you know you think of some of the guys that were on the injured list bednar holderman de los santos no relation you kind of look at the accumulation of these guys and it's like yeah like it's not an ideal situation but we need someone that's capable to give us innings or at least to have somewhat of a presence there the one the two numbers that kind of jump out to me with Underwood kind of on the opposite side of that spectrum is a career high in walks per nine innings. And we can, you know, wonder whether that was a product of over usage or not. That being said in like 2021, I think he threw 72 innings this year is 59 and, you know, not, you know, it's not just a matter of innings. It's when they were used. The other number that is, I guess it's two numbers is that he only allowed one home run and that his, home run to fly ball rate was like 2.1 percent in his career coming into that season it's like 16 percent that ain't gonna that's not gonna hold that's like that's an outlier of all outliers and so i think that was partially what contributed to such like i think his fit being like 2.92 but his x fit being like 3.91 and so when you kind of look at that too you're thinking again with a guy going into arbitration with the guy that's eligible to receive a significant raise, it's that question of, you know, would we want to roll the dice with this guy, bring him back for another year, have him, you know, potentially provide that stability or kind of on the heels of adding a guy like Selby to the, the 40 man roster. Could we potentially go internal? Now, of course that doesn't mean because they add Selby that necessarily means they need to non tender Underwood, but just kind of a, a thought experiment there and it's also worth remembering that as of right now they don't have a left-hander on the 40-man roster and so there's also that question of would it make a lot more sense 
to non-tender Underwood and allocate those funds in order to get a lefty on the roster because I think Ben Wellis was the only one or one of the only ones before – well, Stout was, and he was DFA'd as well. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of in the similar vein of their only – of the the two catchers only having seven combined major league games. Like, that's something that's – that's the, the roster the, – the pitching depth is not going to look like that come – opening day and that's kind of a a way you can go about addressing it right now so again another kind of question is like how do you kind of go about that do you bring him back and get a lefty in addition and then have to take someone off the 40 man or do you you know cut your ties right there and just go for someone else entirely to make a note of things i just tried to like warm up my left arm because i'm left-handed it cracked i'm old (laughs) but just to bring back to Dwayne underwood jr It's not a Dwayne Underwood Jr. problem. It's more of a bullpen problem. He's really not a bad pitcher. He's just a product of the environment where we all want to blame him. And he, unfortunately, he is very replaceable, and the Pirates used him as poorly as he could be used as a Pirate. So we're at the point now where he can be fixed by a Selby type of character or Literally anything else you can bring in. It is very, it's kind of interesting now that I'm thinking about it that their position players are just so left handed and their pitching staff yeah. is now like entirely right handed. I think that we've been trending that way for a while. Let's see if we can get O'Neill on the mound. I guess let's get, let's get the two way hype going. Well, you can't even, I want to take that seriously. I need to say that. On, <laughs> I need that to be well, known. O'Neill throws right handed. No oh, yeah. Trouble. Yeah. No, I feel like, though, uh, just as an organization, uh, we haven't really produced too much in the terms of left-handed pitching talent uh, internally. So, I mean, Stephen Brault, last one I can really think of. Like, everybody else, you know, Tyler Anderson they brought in for that one year. Quintana. Quintana. So, like, the lefties that they've had in their rotation recently have been external signings. And and you even look right now in the minors and – like Salamito is probably like, I mean, yeah. I guess there's, there's a few others, but like, there's not a whole lot there on the left-hand side. It is, it is kind of just, I mean, I'm sure it's just a, a weird coincidence. So. <laughs> Justin Wilson. So, so I, so the, the pirates, their minor league um, reliever of the year, Tyler Samanego, he's a, he's a lefty and I, he's someone that I could see being in the, he wasn't a rule five eligible guy. I think 2021 was his first season, but he's someone that I could see, if if things go well, to start 2023, bring in the mix. But kind of now that I'm bringing up Sam and Dago, I wanted to share a story that Kyron Madison shared with me. Um, there was Sam and Dago was like called into like this game in the ninth inning. I think the bases were loaded or like it was a one run game, two run game, something like that. It's close game. Kyron comes out, you know, hands him the ball. And as the way that, he relayed this story to me is that Sam Inigo looked right past him. And I think the quote was, he looked into my soul. So <laughs> he's a in, intense dude from, from, from that. Love him already. So yeah, just to kind of put that on the radar in terms of a guy that could potentially be in the left-handed mix, not necessarily for opening day, but you know, sometime in 2023. So what's crazy with Sam Inigo is like I he was nowhere near my radar uh, until he won that award and I was like who the hell even is this guy? Um, 
but yeah, I mean, you look. I mean, really good numbers in in uh, Greensboro this year, which is impressive because uh, just the environment that that's in. Uh, when he got bumped up to Altoona, like you know, the strikeouts took a big hit, but you know, the walk race seems fine. Yeah, I guess I'll, I mean I'll, we'll start paying attention to him there. But yeah, I just I just quickly looked at just the organizational like depth chart. There's not a single left-handed starting pitcher in uh, above high A ball other than Trey McGow. It's the only one. Mm. So just not it's just I mean, I'm sure it's just a weird coincidence, but not a whole lot there. That's an odd, that's odd, odd coincidence indeed. It does feel is like they've much- been trending in that direction for a while, though. Yeah. Say, <laughs> so, does that pretty much wrap up our non-tenders then? I think so. so Did we I've, come up I've, with a conclusion? Collectively, we make a decision yeah, no. here then? We got Andujar. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think so. Andujar is like, I think of all of these guys, he's like the trickiest one. I'm keeping Kevin Newman over Andujar. That's not a question to me. If I am forced between one or the other, it's not a question. One guy has some bat-to-ball skills. The other guy has kind of stunk his entire career. Well, let's just first thing out here. Let's lay this out. We're, we're not the GMs, though. Ben Charrington is, and Ben Charrington brought him in the very last week of MLB season. So, like to me, it seems like he's getting tendered a contract, right? Just in Charrington's eyes. I mean, why do you make that move? There's, we talked about when he came over. But for all the fans, like nothing that he does right now should change our opinion on Anduar for these next eight games. So that should be the same for the GM. So why are you going to bring him on if you weren't considering the tender and contract to begin with? So just for that sake, are we all agreeing that he's tendered a contract, even though we played yes. this game with Nunez and he wasn't? Yeah. Well, yeah. So my logic there is you don't claim Anduar unless you're planning on having him next year because – because right. yeah, eight games, whether he's really good, really bad, or anything in between, isn't a sample size that's going to give you enough data to be like, this is who Miguel Andujar is. So I don't think the claim's made unless they, they plan on doing it. So I, I I see him being tendered a contract. Absolutely. I think that's where I'm leaning as well. It's a very limited sample size toward the end of the season. And while that 2018 Rookie of the Year runner-up, which, side note, remember how crazy that debate was? Because, <laughs> like, people were trying to be like, oh, yeah, it's totally not Otani. It's this guy. But, um, right. <laughs> I like that, that does feel like a while ago, so much so that 2018 was um, my sophomore year of college. <laughs> so this is a long time ago. Um, but I think, I think the, the way that I would internalize that is – you know, he has had the on and off health issues. There has been the element of unperformance. New York isn't exactly the um, the the easiest place to try to ease back in, and especially, you know, they're trying to win. This is not a this is not a matter of, um, yeah, we're going to let you take your lumps. It's like we need justice. To it's a T-ball field. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. I like Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Yes, yeah, a small stadium, but you know, it's it's not just hitting the ball out of the ballpark. You still, get, you know, you got to lace your singles. You got to lace your doubles. Mm-hmm. 
But I think there is that element of, you know, getting him a full off season, like knowing this is, you know, he's going to be on the team, getting him an op- getting the hitting group an opportunity to work with him, letting him do his thing over the course of the off season as someone that's healthy and just kind of seeing, because again, it, while that season was a long time ago and while just the last couple years have not been great, there is that element of like, oh, like it, it's a, it's a risk. Like, let's be honest. It is a risk. There is an element of risk there. And I guess if you wanted to play like ceiling versus floor, I guess like if you had to hypothetically go one or the other, you kind of go Newman is the higher floor. But what I'm, I don't remember Andujar's numbers. What was it like 30 plus homers, something like that? 27. 27 homers. Like even even kind of in a, in a very high run environment, like it's really difficult to you know, just find some guy that like, oh yeah, he hit 27 homers. Even if Yankee Stadium is an offensive environment that's conducive to a lot of homers, there still is that element of like, oh, let's kind of see, you know, what we might have here and just playing that calculated risk. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You kind of keep it pushing. It's not like there's a, if they were to have Andujar on the opening day roster and he was hypothetically DFA'd by May, I, I don't think, Everything's going to come crashing down. I don't think things are going to fall apart. Just to put into perspective to how long ago that second second place rookie of the year award was, Donald Trump had an all-time high approval rating of 47% that month. Okay. <laughs> That's how long ago that was. I just wanted to throw out 27 there. I want to try to find a photo of myself in 2018. It was, a, it was so. I was, I was going another route. For the record, Justice, I typed in Andrew check on my West. I was just about to say it was Mo Bamba and the Ash and a sicko mode. That when those were remember, at, remember that that that's how long it's been since Andrew was a good baseball. Player. I, okay, I, I want to interject. I want this to be on the record real quick. So I remember, I remember it so vividly. I was in my student newspaper. This is when I still had Apple Music and I didn't have Spotify yet. And I was like looking Shame. through the the new music and I was just kind of like exploring songs. And I like I'm a big basketball fan. So, you know, I'm I'm in touch with the draft. I'm like looking at all the prospects. And I see this song called Mo Bamba. And I'm like, like Muhammad Bamba, like the center out of <laughs> Texas. And I'm like, what the hell? And I play it. I'm like, oh, this goes hard. <laughs> And then when it started blowing up, like I was trying to be like that, uh, that contrarian, like, ah, do y'all even know about Mo Bamba's game though? Is that game going to transfer to the NBA? Should the Magic pick him at six? It's like just being that, being that contrarian for the hell of it. But yeah, it has been a while. Yeah, it has. So that's to me why I'm just not putting a whole lot of stock and faith in the Andor. He just simply isn't a good baseball player anymore. And I, I'm I'm with the Tyler side. I would prefer Kevin Newman over Anduar just just for the position itself. He can play defense where Anduar can't. Um, I'm not rostering a DH only player who hasn't been good for four years. Not to mention, like, there's the whole fact that his 2018 season. Now that we have the real advanced stats with Statcast, really shows he wasn't that great that year. I think he was essentially extremely average that year. I'm just Wait, not I interested in you. I wish an average season of mine would be 27 homers. I, I yeah, mean, no, he, 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 he plays in ball park. He, he had a 3 I'm messing with y'all. I'm messing with y'all. 
I mean, 129 weighted runs created plus, which is park adjusted. Park, yeah, but look adjusted. at his expected weighted on base average. It's 320. 361. What's oh, three, that, was, that was not expected. Expected, right. expected yeah. was 322. Yeah. Oh, okay, my bad. It changed in like a day. Yeah. Right. Really, it all comes back to the fact that in like 2018, I was playing MLB The Show, and I'd play against people that played in Yankee Stadium, and – some little scrub would hit a home run 315 down the line, and that's when I grew my hatred for that ballpark. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Sorry that's about I, that. That's what I love about baseball, though. That's the that's what's that's what differentiates baseball from literally every other sport. It's kind of just like, eh, these dimensions are what they are. I forgot. I remember looking at like the history of like why that was a thing recently, and I was just like, huh. But I mean, that is weird. I mean, honestly, it really is. Like you said, it's the only sport. Every sport has the exact yeah. measurements of everything. And then baseball is like, eh. <laughs> no, that is Whatever another really you good want. thing. I like that about baseball because like each park has their own kind of thing that's mm-hmm. really just unique to it. So, no, I, I enjoy that. And I'm not going to like hate on Yankee Stadium. Yeah, it it's definitely easier to hit home runs there. But – uh there, there are plenty of other hitter-friendly ballparks stuff. out there. But, uh, yeah, it's been a long time since Miguel Andujar has been been good. Yeah, I would have never claimed him in the first place. But that's me. Um, I know Jim's not. I'm not. Tyler is. Justice, you single as well? <laughs> that was such a random question. I don't know what question was- I was expecting. Um, there's a comment here. You can, we can find your love in in your city if you'd like. This <laughs> just <So>. pop up. <laughs> <That's> spam. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyone's interested? <laughs> what? The- <laughs> <laughs> okay, we wait. Okay. We got we got spam three times. Here's another one. There it is. Little, That's yeah. got an emotion. I got a, and then we got this one too. <laughs> I, I kind of got a funny, funny-ish story. So I guess the answer, the answer is that question is yes, as of right now. Um, so I was in Chicago a couple weeks ago. It was for, um, so it was my birthday, but it was also the birthday party of one of my homies. <laughs>